Hello everyone and welcome to Composed. Um, I am often asked, because I was raised in small town mid-America, how can your people believe in Trump? <clears throat> how is it possible to vote for someone who clearly does not have their best interests at heart? Who is clearly lying to them for political and financial gain? What does that thought process even look like? Now, I've honestly thought so much about this, uh, not just because, you know, I'm a person who's chosen to spend my life investing in humanity, but, well, also because I almost consider myself a reformed redneck. And I have to say that dismissing their actions as stupidity is a very easy answer. And I hear it, it so often, even from respected journalists or academics. I've said it myself, shamefully, because it's very difficult to explain a whole culture of repression and poor education and fanaticism in a 10-minute exchange, especially when the person who is asking already knows the answer that they want to hear and that that answer quite possibly is the only one they are willing to accept. But if we want to try to understand racism and to try to understand how Trump rose to power and to build a fairer, more inclusive, tolerant society, then we need to discuss all of the public groups that capitalism and corporate government have marginalized. There are some people whose views cannot be changed. I recognize this and I, I pity it. But it's important to remember that this is a generational fight, a generational movement. And if we just keep educating, keep moving forward, keep listening, time will be on our side. Time is our great hope. So, in the spirit of elucidation, I wanted to read a section that attempts to answer that question. How can Trump, how can your people believe in Trump or vote for Trump as best as possible? The piece is titled Rapture of the Radicalized, and it's from a longer lyric essay or prose poem titled Redneck. Rapture of the Radicalized Fascism happens when a society identifies more with a myth than with a reality. Evangelism breeds fascism because it perpetuates and combines the fiction of spiritual entitlement and fantasy deliverance. It is impossible to debate with people who expect the unraveling destruction of the earth and on some level rejoice in it because it legitimizes their prophecy and brings them closer to their God. It is like arguing with a suicide bomber. Because of the population's readiness to believe in fantasy storylines and Trump's preacher tactics, he has become a symbol religious fanatics can relate to on a blind yet devotional level 
that feels linked to their faith, which is also a parable presented as a salvation. The trouble with believing in parables as reality is that you lose the ability to reason. You become accustomed to defending religious fantasies over science until you actually begin to mistrust facts altogether and fall prey to extremism. The irony is that a redneck extremist has more in common with a Muslim extremist than they do with a white, wealthy, entitled politician. But they are blind to this correlation because brainwashing relinquishes a person's ability to understand complex thought, not their capability to perform complex thought, but the opportunity to acquire the knowledge necessary to think beyond irrational and devotional patterns. Fanaticism obliterates the idea that complex thought even exists as a separate system because fanaticism damns all systems that ask questions. And this has nothing to do with intelligence and everything to do with education. In my experience of the American education system, it is one that does not value critical thinking as much as it values the ability to recite. And the great tragedy of humankind is the gross discrepancy in opportunities of education. It is vast. Thinking is a luxury. The luxury of thinking is a greater form of capital than any financial advancement. When you are born middle class or upper class or into a supportive school system, you take thinking like confidence for granted. But complex thought is a muscle. How do you expect to develop it if you never actually use it because you are a field worker or from a family of field workers who are too exhausted, stressed, and worried about things like winter coats, food, shoes, dental insurance, drug addiction, and rent to be concerned about world affairs. Their affairs are immediate. Their needs are immediate. Basic survival keeps one basic. It keeps one from learning because it's impossible to see beyond the proximity of subsistence. Plus, there is not an equal educational system to show you how. So in this scenario, rapture feels like justice like getting what you deserve for the penance of your birthright, and it makes the hardship seem worthwhile. It is no coincidence that dictators the world over, without exception, have a history of calling education for their people and their laboring forces. Keeping one fixed in the myth means they are easy to manipulate. The first thing you learn when you begin to unlearn is the when you... The first thing you learn when you begin to unlearn the myth is how to question. Can our leaders control us when we demand real, factual answers? No. Not in a democracy. Not yet, anyway. And we need to hang on to this by understanding that our very sense of humanity is at risk when corporations or fanatical religions own the government. 
It is better for corporate government to keep its laboring forces believing in their freedom and the afterlife than daring to demand rights as a human on this earth. It is better for corporate government to perpetuate and actually encourage the prejudices that miseducation and fanatical religion systematically encourages so that all the laboring people, the descendants of field workers, be they Asian, indentured white, redneck, Middle Eastern, Indian, African, African American, Aboriginal, Hispanic, and so on and on, fight amongst themselves and blame one another without ever realizing the truth of their power, which is divided, they remain minority groups. United, they become a force that can overthrow. Dictators fear this above all else. So they work to keep the disenfranchised divided and placing their violence towards all the wrong enemies. Rapture, in an allegorical sense, represents a hive mind that desires, above all else, revolution. Imagine if that power was emancipated through education and organized intent. It would change everything. But instead, they enslave you to identity propaganda by making you believe that the undereducated, the misled, working-class, God-fearing, white field workers of the USA are salt of the earth, simple men and women wanting to live simple lives. And there is nothing wrong with living a simple life, and that is a noble ambition. This idea hits an emotional chord with every redneck I've ever known, myself included. The whole concept behind, we may be simple people, but we are loyal to our loved ones, God-fearing and salt of the earth is a genius marketing campaign because it is, on the whole, true. Making the correlation between a field worker and salt of the earth makes a field worker feel validated and united in their simple approach. But somewhere along that line, remaining undereducated, blinded, has summarized simple community values and this is a perception that has been immortalized by corporate and political myths for their own advantage. To keep yourself undereducated or miseducated as a group identity is discrediting, destroying, and muting your voice so that they can abuse you for your labors, be those farming, factory, voting, military, or any of the industrial cogs that machines and robots will eventually replace. Keeping you a mind-numbed machine means that you don't have to recognize, they don't have to recognize you as a human, and in turn, by way of gross example, it teaches you how to dehumanize others. Uniting in miseducation robs you of your voice as a respected human being. It robs you of your rights to a fair working wage. It robs you of your rights to clean drinking water, clean soil. It robs you of your rights to health care and job prospects. It keeps you in your place, your class. But mostly, it robs you of your rights to respectability and accountability within our global community by keeping you purposely misled and isolated, which means 
that the rest of the world feels as though it's closing in on you and foreign in skin, religion, and mindset. That is an intimidating prospect, and there isn't an arrangement in place to help the fanaticized redneck adjust. In fact, their anxiety of the unknown is validated by a scaremongering rhetoric. And when people don't understand something, they become fearful. And when they are fearful, they become angry. And when they are angry, they learn to hate. Hate is easier than assimilation. For the person and all of their governing agencies, hate is easier to control than love. So uniting in a shared myth of ignorance is robbing yourself of your human capacity for love. And we can only love to the level of consciousness we've reached. Sorry, this is really emotional for me. Um, I'm just going to read that sentence again. And we can only love to the level of consciousness we've reached, which is why the love and compassion fanaticized evangelists share and show the world is disproportionate to the love and compassion they profess to have as Christians. It is this hypocrisy, not their faith, never their faith, which turns them into extremists. For hypocrisy is a cornerstone of radicalism, and the more disconnected, insignificant, and snubbed they feel, the more defensive they become until they are preposterously defending their right to remain ignorant. When miseducation is used, sorry again, which turns miseducation into a use value, a labor power ripe for exploitation abuse, and the devastation of our people and our glorious planet. So the lack of critical thinking skills combined with unchallenged exploitative dogma and the normalization of hateful narrative create the groundwork for white supremacy and move the radicalization of this ideology into hyperspeed. This is what we are witnessing during the protests for Black Lives Matter. There are mirrors of how dominant racial injustice maintained by government-backed white supremacy is rife in America. For when one force rises, so does its counterbalance. And we can't rely on our corporate government to hold the extremists who brainwash the weak, the misled, accountable. The committer of racial violence of murder is the bottom fray of a white rope that leads to a noose around the current government, which is already shrouded by a white sheet. We can combat this by feeling a justifiable rage, of course, rage for the exploited, the expended, wasted life of the murdered, yes. But if we really want to explode the crocs of racism, we need to consider the wasted, exploited life of the murderer as well. How did they get to that state of hatred? 
it is tremendously hard to even ask these questions, but it has to be done if we want to shift our language into a voice that symbolizes the people and the planet and no longer the perpetrators of violence. Our narrative identity does not call these committers of violence what they are, which is terrorists. We call them terrorists. We don't call them terrorists because often they are white men and usually from Christian backgrounds, which bizarrely has become the profiled face of our nation. So we say, this was an act of tragedy, when we should say, this was an act of terror, executed by a suicide shooter, a murderer, who was groomed and indoctrinated by an American-born terrorist group and legally supplied with weapons of mass destruction. This terrorist group has many units, but they all fall under the ideology of white supremacy with links to corporate government and extremist dogma. To spread their fanaticism, they use radicalized evangelism, radicalized narrative, and online recruiting sites that promote active terrorism. They are killing our people in droves. Our country is under siege. That is the type of language we would use if the committers of murder of violence were Arab, African, Central American, African American, South American, Mexican, and so on and on. It is a language that has enabled the Western world, debatably for better or worse, but it has enabled the Western world to overthrow dictatorships, regenerate impoverished areas with hospitals, schools, and jobs, and de-radicalize an indoctrinated populace. This is exactly the kind of intervention our country is crying out for. It is exactly the type of social democracy our field workers and laborers and poor are pleading to have. But because we are stuck in old identities of predestination, individualism, and superiority, we cannot see how our country is under threat from a breed of terrorism that is homegrown and that we have each had a role in producing. It is not unchristian, unchristian to demand that our spiritual and governmental leaders uphold a transparent moral civility. Christianity arose from those who were brave enough to question, question heretics. The questioning and challenging of tyranny is the very foundation of Christianity. It is, however, entirely unchristian to knowingly pardon the cruel maltreatment and murder of another human being based on the color of their skin or religious persuasion. And there is no simple reason why a person joins a terrorist group. However, research shows that the reason variables fall under associated feelings of alienation, hopelessness, and humiliation derived from a lack of social and economic opportunities. That is the very description of Trump's voter demographic. Crucial to successful prevention and reintegration from radicalization 
include listening and working within communities at a local level, establishing trust and public-driven leadership, and openly identifying recruiters and financiers of terrorism. So I ask you, call out the heretics. Refuse to engage with exploitation. Organize citizens' assemblies. Understand that it is arrogant to believe that terrorism happens in the corners of the world independent of your actions. The fires you see are the very manifestation of our actions. Do your utmost to evolve our world identity by utilizing the collective powers of a counter-narrative that truly represents this planet and all of her peoples.